Hey everyone, my name is Michelle and welcome to Romcom Weekly. Today, my friend Howard is here and we're talking about the movie Fifty First Dates. Hi, Howard. Hey, Michelle, how's it going? I'm good. Thank you for dialing in all the way from Australia. Yeah, uh, it's a bit of a time <laughs> difference, but I'm excited. It's first time. Awesome. Thank you so much. So a few things about this movie. It was released in February of 2004. It's directed by Peter Siegel, written by George Wang. It stars Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. The IMDb.com summary is, Henry Roth is a man afraid of commitment until he meets the beautiful Lucy. They hit it off and Henry thinks he's finally found the right girl of his dreams until discovering she has short-term memory loss and forgets him the next day. It has a 6.8 on IMDb, and it made just under $200 million at the box office. Okay, Howard. So what are you giving this movie on a scale from 1 to 10? I would probably give it a 7.5. Okay, that's pretty high. Yeah. I'm kind of falling between a 7 and a 7.5. And for some yeah. reason, I couldn't land on a number. I struggled with that for some reason, but that's my safe spot that I'm landing at. So okay, we're kind of approaching this movie in the same way. I guess, same way. But uh, why did you choose to talk about this movie and what's your relationship with it? Uh, I chose to talk about this movie because I was a big Adam Sandler fan growing up. And I think this is probably where he peaked in his career in terms of <laughs> movies. Okay. Because <laughs> I think ever since then, I don't think the movies he's made in terms of romantic comedies have been the same level. But during that time, I was also getting out of my first real serious relationship. And then... It's like a stupid movie, but romantic at the same time. It's like innocent. So there's nothing, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, typical of Adam Sandler comedies. He's got the crude jokes in there, but at the heart of it, it's like a heartwarming movie, I guess. Definitely. I agree with you. Um, that's an interesting way to say that he peaked here. And I think you might be right. So this movie specifically is the second movie of three between him and Drew Barrymore. So there's The Wedding Singer that came out in 1998. There's this movie that came out in 2004 and then blended in 2014. Between these three movies, have you seen them all? Yep. Would you say, like, is this your favorite one out of those? Yep. <laughs> got it, got it. I've talked about Adam Sandler a few times on this podcast, but I'm curious to kind of hear what you think about him because I like him. I don't, like, love him. I think he's really funny and, yeah, he kind of has this crude... It's like a theme through all of his movies where he's just really goofy and ridiculous, but yet he's incredibly lovable at the end. Yeah. He's kind of a man-child, a man-boy, but for some reason we always end up rooting for him. Yeah. It's this very interesting character that only he gets to do this. Like, it's very unique to Adam Sandler. But yeah, what are your kind of thoughts on him and his career, I guess? Yeah, so I was a big... Adam Sandler fan as a teenager so like I don't know if you know but he had a couple albums and I bought yes. them <laughs> so like he had like um they're all gonna laugh at you and then uh what was the other one what the hell happened to me and each of those they tie in with the characters he plays on tv just because when he was on Saturday Night Live you know he was like the young dude that was very crude but at the same time you want to root for him in his albums, like, you can tell that he has musical talent, but his skits were, were really, really crude. And when you're a teenager, that's, like, what you look for as an adolescent boy. Uh-huh. Because, <laughs> yep. like, um, you know, when growing up in our generation, the parental advisory stuff was, like, pretty new. And that was one yeah. of the first few albums that had it. So then, you know, because it has parental advisory, you want to check it out. 
So absolutely, yeah. So like uh, listening to that and then seeing his career because I was a big、um, Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore fan. That was you know his crude you know just regular comedies before he forayed into romantic comedies, which was the first one I think was The Wedding Singer with Drew Barrymore、uh, when he started to diversify his career. But yeah,、uh, that one that movie was good. I don't think it resonated as much with me just because it has all the eighties nostalgia, which we were obviously too young to recognize、mm-hmm. at the time.、Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you know, as we grew older, you know, Fifty First Dates came out, and that's when you know you can relate to it more, just in terms of、uh, relationships and stuff, because we're in our twenties at that point. Older, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know we're older.、Uh, yeah, so just to let you know, so what I plan on doing when I release this episode is that I'm gonna sequence it out with Wedding Singer first, then this movie, and then blend it. So I'm kind、oh, of、yeah. doing like an Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore moment、oh, yeah. here on the podcast. Sweet. But I will confess that I think out of the three, The Wedding Singer is my favorite. Yeah, it's fair. And I think it's because I watched that movie a lot more growing up. It came out in '98, so I was obviously much younger.、Mm-hmm. And I think that movie stuck with me a little bit more, just because I watched at an earlier and more formative age. And I think I like the '80s part of it. That kind of spoke to me a little bit more, even though we were we're '80s babies, so we obviously、yeah. weren't coming of age in the '80s. So I think I like to look back fondly and be like, "Oh, that would have been an interesting moment if I did come of age in the '80s." But anyway, we're here to talk about Fifty First Dates. The other observation I have of Adam Sandler is that, and I've talked about this before on the pod, is that. He really like his career is just amazing. I kind of <laughs> love the fact that he kind of gives zero fucks. Yeah, because it's his own production company, right? So、yeah. when he makes all these movies, so he makes the decision to film on location with his best friends and these opposite a beautiful woman, and just has the time of his life. He plays golf, he plays basketball in his movies, and is just if you watch my movie, you watch it. But if you don't, you don't, and that's okay by by him. Yeah. He's basically living the the dream, just because you know he gets people pay him to make movies with his friends, <laughs> and they just mess around and they go to different locations. Absolutely, he's just really, really living the life. All right, so what are some specific things you like about this movie?、Uh, I like how relatable. I, I want to say relatable, but the the characters in general are you root for them more compared to his other movies. I think because、mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. if you. Go through his other movies. Usually, the side characters are just very one note. They're like kind of flanderized. If you get what、mm-hmm. I mean, they、like、just say one thing. Like、um, Waterboy, Rob Schneider just says, <laughs> "Oh no, we suck again." You know that type of thing. Whereas, <laughs> oh my god, this character's a little bit more fleshed out here. But、mm. they're all memorable characters, I guess, because you have the the chef with the tattoo. He's memorable.、Um, you have the waitress who's very memorable, and then Rob Schneider obviously plays, you know, a very memorable dude. Yeah, like you, you see the same people in all his movies, but in this one, I feel like you, you've noticed them more.、Mm, um, gotcha. Yeah. But not, not just that. I think it's a unique take on romantic comedy, just because you know the plotline is completely unrealistic. But at the same time, <laughs> <laughs> it's very cute that you know he has to keep trying to woo her every single day just to get her to remember who he is or just to fall in love with him. Totally, it's so unrealistic. It's so outrageous, but. Yeah, I think we we know what we're getting ourselves into the moment we sit down to watch this movie. I think this movie is incredibly warm hearted, as you mentioned. It's really fun, and like, what's not to love about a rom com that takes place in Hawaii? Just shout out Hawaii. Yeah, 
I can't. Yeah, I think it really wouldn't have hit as well if it didn't happen in Hawaii. If they didn't film it there, just because yeah. like if 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 you saw this in New York or LA, it it just wouldn't be the same. I totally agree with you. Actually, part of my trivia is that so the writer of this film, he actually had set this movie in Seattle, where the writer's from. So originally it was supposed to take place in Seattle, but they moved it to Hawaii. And I think that absolutely that was the correct decision in the production side. But I, I don't know. I saw that point of trivia and I was like, Seattle? That's random. Yeah, no, I, yeah. <laughs> It'd be so gray. It wouldn't be as happy. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And you get, you get a lot of different depictions of people because we see some native Hawaiians in this movie, which is also something that I really enjoyed. Yeah. There's a movie that Adam Sandler actually did in Hawaii with Jennifer Aniston called Just Go With It. Oh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, I talked about that movie on the pod, but there's zero Hawaiians in that movie from my memory. Um, But this one, I actually like that it seems like they're locals. Uh, I guess maybe that's why. They're local. They live in Hawaii, whereas in that movie, they're they're tourists. But I appreciated it. Oh, yeah, because that's like a resort type of thing, right? Where they're just on vacation, whereas these are actually native Hawaiians. Right, or right, just, right. Yeah, people that live there, yeah. I, I gotta, of course, say the chemistry between Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler. I think it's so clear. Like, they're just so good together. They have so much <laughs> chemistry and they're so charming. But for me, I think Drew Barrymore wins this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's so bright and cheerful. She's so sunny and warm. And I was thinking about her acting in this movie. Like, she has to pretend so much about you know this whole memory loss and learning about her condition every day and then she has to act that out so often and she did a really good job at it no yeah i agree i mean like the way she would react whenever he approached her had to change every single time whereas Mm. he's just playing the same dude every single time Mm -hmm. (laughs) like when uh he tried to pick her up by pretending he didn't know how to read obviously she's playing along with that (laughs) But uh, yeah, the fact that she had to, you know, pretend she didn't remember anything. She she definitely carries the acting. That's not to say yeah. Adam Sandler can't act, because in all of his movies, he basically plays the same person. But right. as, as seen in, I don't know if you watch Uncut Gems, but he actually did a really good job in that movie. You know he can act, but he just chooses not to. <laughs> he chooses not to. I Confession, I have not seen Uncut Gems. Um, it's... Something that I've been told I should see, but I don't know if I can handle it because it's a pretty intense. I don't know if it's up your, if if you can't deal with tension, it's probably not up your alley. (laughs) Because like the movie is kind of like, I don't know if you ever gamble, but it's kind of like that. So like if you aren't good at gambling or experience with it, (laughs) you probably wouldn't enjoy it just because there's just so much tension throughout the whole movie. You just feel like something's going to happen. And if you, if you can't deal with that, then yeah, I totally understand. Yeah, I, I don't think I could. Uh, I, I know. So Frank actually went to go see Uncut Gems by himself in theaters. And yeah. he came home and he was like, oh my gosh, my pits are so sweaty. Because he was so <laughs> nervous throughout the movie. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I don't know if this movie's for me. But yeah. maybe, maybe down the line, I'll eventually watch it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's very intense. You're always on edge. I love that you just said he can act, but he chooses not to act. Yeah. Again, this is just his MO. He's just deciding to hang out in beautiful locations with his friends and just make stupid, silly movies. Yeah. I guess it's something some people could aspire to. (laughs) You don't have to always be at the top of your game, but if you're getting paid well to do what you want to do, (laughs) why not? 
Why not? I don't blame him for that. So I kind of teetered between this next point being something I like and something I didn't like, but ultimately the character that Adam Sandler plays, his character's name is Henry. Oh yeah, he's just incredibly problematic for me in the beginning. It's hard (laughs) to root for. Like he, he is outwardly womanizing intentionally with tourists. So yeah, he's kind of hard to root for, but I think we kind of quickly fall for him and we want him to win over Lucy. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of split on on this, but I'm I'm ultimately filing it under something I like because, you know, I guess we root for him pretty quickly. You know, it's just one of those things where, you know, they say charm is a skill, I guess, and like... He has yeah. it in the in the movie. Like Adam Sandler, what for whatever reason he he's charming guy. Like he he can be a total dickhead or you know sleazeball in his movies, but like when he just flips it like that, and that's probably why you know it works. I mean, yeah, he's a womanizer. He manipulates women. You know, he even outright says there's no alcohol in here in this drink, <laughs> and mm, you can just mm-hmm. make your decision because that's just like his game or whatever. But you're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Normally, like, what a disgusting man, but then it's like, okay, <laughs> I yeah. don't know how to describe it, you know? Right, yeah, it, it does happen very quickly, like the flip for him. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that we fall for him so quickly. And it's a rom-com, I get it, but the first few minutes are just a total uh, disjointed part of who we end up getting to know Henry as. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't say he's like a lovable hero or anything, but right. like... But if you cut out the beginning and saw that, you would think that. It's just, I don't know. He's got the charm. <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. know how else to put it. Yeah, for sure. Anything else that you like about this movie? Uh, I like how, I guess, because normally when you watch a movie, especially a rom-com, it's pretty predictable. Like, you know, there's the meeting phase and then there's the conflict or fallout and then they get back together in Act 3. Whereas I feel like this movie, they have more realistic conflict i guess just because of the problem that comes about with her amnesia so it seems a little bit more realistic in that aspect i suppose instead of just Mm. something that is like a ridiculous communication breakdown you know like some movies it's like if you just picked up the phone and talked to them you'd probably not have this problem in the movie but right they they intentionally you know don't talk to each other so then all of a sudden there's a huge conflict but i Mm -hmm. feel like this is a a little bit more realistic in that aspect because they're more real life solutions i suppose Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Are you kind of alluding to the fact that Lucy wants Henry to like live his life without her? Yeah. In that sense? Yeah. Okay. There is that conflict, which I also appreciated. I think we ultimately assume that they'll end up together at the end in a Mm -hmm. traditional rom-com sense. But I think navigating that story and how they'll come back together wasn't totally obvious. Yeah. Um, So what are some things you don't like about this movie? Uh, some things I don't like about the movie, I guess it's just, it is, in a way, is predictable, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know what you're getting <laughs> with this kind of yeah. movie. I mean, it's not going to win any awards or anything. Uh, right. Because it's like a rehash. It's just a, a remix version of all his other movies, but it's just done well. But I guess what I don't like is, um, I don't actually think there's anything I don't specifically dislike. Mm. If I think about it hard. Yeah. I guess... They don't really give resolution to all the side characters, even though they're pretty unique. That's the only thing. Hmm. Like, uh, what's, what's his name? 
um, Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> Samwise. Sean Astin. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's such a good character. Um, it's because it's so funny because you know Lord of the Rings came out and this is like the first movie he did right after Lord of the Rings, so it's like complete <laughs> departure. But then they didn't really resolve his his love affair with Helga or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Alexa. Is it Alexa? Alexa? I don't remember her name. <laughs> yeah, I only noticed it because I watched the movie with captions on last night. Yeah. I would not have remembered her character name at all. But yeah, yeah. Sean Astin plays brother Doug, yeah. who is very lovable, but so ridiculously silly and stupid. Yeah, I have a spoiler alert. He's actually my favorite character, which is another oh, yeah, category yeah. we talk about. He He brought the laughs for me. Mm-hmm. And there were moments when I felt bad laughing because like this lisp, like, is that necessary? Yeah. But uh, <laughs> uh, is it problematic? Maybe. But I don't know. I, I leaned into the comedy of that part. And yeah, I think the juxtaposition of seeing Sean Astin be Samwise Gamgee and then being this like brother who's super tan and on steroids and just has like no control over what's happening to his body. I don't know. I loved it. I thought it was so funny. Do you think maybe it has to do with the, he was definitely like in the eighties gear. (laughs) Yeah. The spandex and the mesh. Yeah. It was great. It was such an outrageous character, but I really appreciated it. Oh yeah. I mean, it's like, I just can't imagine like if, Let's say this was your sibling and you did this every single day, like, you know, yeah. for years. Like, you'd have to pretend the same, it's the same day every single day for several years. Yeah, that's also why I really like him is because at the root of the character of Doug, he genuinely loves his sister and oh, he yeah. really cares for her. And he really wants her to be happy and he's very protective, even if he can't physically protect her. Yeah, he's, he's a sweet and endearing character, but ridiculous. Oh, yeah, no, I totally agree. Because I, I was just thinking, like, I don't know how, if that happened to me, how I'd react to that situation. Would I be cracking jokes about, like, the football game? Right, uh, just right. Just ru- ruining everything, or or I just <laughs> pretend everything's fine? Yeah, I guess you kind of develop a sense of humor about it after a year in, because I think Lucy had her accident a year ago at this point. Yeah. Uh, I do want to go back to the problem... Uh, a few things I don't like about this movie. There's not a whole lot here for me either, but upon reflection, I feel like there are some problematic parts and maybe these is kind of combined with things that haven't aged well. Specifically, you know, Rob Schneider's character is really funny. He plays this uh, local Hawaiian named Ula. Yep. He's like a stoner. He's really, really silly. But I think the problematic part for me here is that he's playing a Hawaiian. And I know Rob Schneider's not Hawaiian. He's half Caucasian. He's half Filipino. And there are moments I'm like, I wonder if he's doing these acting choices out of, uh, is he mocking Hawaiian people Mm. or is he genuinely like honoring this culture? And I have to believe it's Rob Schneider. He's a comedian. He's probably mocking the culture. It's not coming from a place of like, let me honor this Hawaiian history. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about Deuce Bigelow. (laughs) exactly exactly so that's kind of my one big thing that i don't like is that i wish they had maybe just chosen a real hawaiian to play this hawaiian character yeah i get that i'm just thinking where else if it wasn't rob schneider who would they pick and then where would rob schneider fit because i feel like rob schneider's in every single movie of his yeah yeah and I, i get that you know like adam sandler again wants to surround himself with his his buddies and this is an obvious choice for Rob Schneider, so it makes sense. 
No, I get it. Because he, Rob Schneider could have been like the old man in the cafe talking shit to him yeah. all the time. <laughs> like, he could have done that. Yeah, he totally could have. Yeah. That was a really random bit as well. Yeah. I wonder where they found that guy. He must have been just like a local person because he's clearly yeah. not an actor. Right. Um, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so not a lot of things I didn't like. I feel like that whole time period when we grew up, a lot of stuff just in terms of PC or if it's okay now, it definitely hasn't aged well just because back then it was just easier to do things. Yeah. Or the perspective wasn't as widespread for people. I don't know. I I think so. Absolutely. I was actually reading the New York Times review of this movie and, you know, this movie came out in 2004. It's a critic's pick, which is like the highest honor from the New York Times in terms of movies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They did not once mention any problematic parts of this character of Rob Schneider. So I was like, oh, interesting. Okay. I don't think this would fly now, obviously, in 2021, if this movie were to be made today. But a lot of things I think just we didn't pay attention to. And it's just a a product of the times. Yeah, definitely. Let's move on to general themes. Did you come away with any big thoughts about this? No, it's a pretty... uh... I don't think there's any major themes. It's just a, I think it's just a romantic comedy. Um, I don't think they're trying to reinvent the wheel. Agree. I, I tried hard on this one to come up with something intelligent to say. And what I came away with is that real love is ultimately worth fighting for because we see Henry, you know, he loves Lucy, but he's willing to do the hard work to make her, or not make her, but to help her fall back in love with him every day. Yeah. I know it's outrageous and it's so unrealistic, but I guess that's true love. That's real love. Like that's a lot of work and time that goes into oh, yeah. that. And Henry's willing to do all that. Yeah. So yeah, he fights for her. I put myself in his shoes. If every single day you had to woo the same woman, which I mean, if you're in love, absolutely, right? But then if you hear the same, you know, first kiss is always the best. Or I don't remember what the line is. But you hear that every single time. (laughs) I I can imagine it getting a little annoying after a while. Yeah. Yeah. You you have to be incredibly patient. And that's not easy. No. (laughs) In terms of realism, no. Yeah. I I mean, you're right. This movie's not saying a whole lot, which I think is why it's so easy to watch, is that there's no heavy heavy hitting messages. Yeah. It's really rewatchable. And it's just a fun ride. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scene? Uh, my favorite scene is just probably when he's uh, supposed to leave on his trip and then her dad gives him the Beach Boys yeah. <laughs> CD and he starts crying about it because he's like, what an asshole. <laughs> I like that scene a lot. Uh, yeah, that was really ridiculous. Yeah. And then he's like singing so loud. Yeah. And crying at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know, clicks in his head. Oh, I should go back. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good moment. I I had to think about this question only because there aren't really any iconic moments that stand out to me in this movie. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, I agree. Because I think like back to going to a wedding singer, there's way more quotables in the wedding singer than Mm. in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I I think for me, when I when there aren't any obvious scenes, I kind of think about, oh, what are the sweetest moments or like what are the funniest moments? Yeah. But for me, again, like it, there wasn't any like one huge haha moment either. It was just kind of sprinkled throughout. Just really fun, lighthearted moments mm-hmm. throughout the movie. But I think one of the sweetest moments for me was when he sings Forgetful Lucy. Oh, yeah. It's a warm moment. It's just really sweet. And I think one of the, the highlights of me for this movie. 
he sings. We we love Adam Sandler singing in his movie, so yeah. that's this moment. And then uh, there's dolphins like jumping in the background. Mm-hmm. He always adds sort of unrealistic things, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Okay, let's talk WTF moments. So these are plot holes and the most unrealistic scenes in the movie. And I know this movie is obviously maybe generally just a WTF, but do you have yeah. any specific moments here that you caught? I mean, just the the premise of having just the whole premise. I mean, like I said before, mm-hmm. just having to kiss your love every day and then having to hear that every single time. Yeah, I think I would go crazy. Yes, thousand percent. I feel like I go crazy just repeating myself. Yeah. To Frank every other day, <laughs> and to do that every day is is a lot. I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I mean, I just imagine if you, it's like living on a script. It'd be really, really tough. Yeah, absolutely. One of the big things for me about this movie is that like, and obviously this is a movie, but just the sheer amount of time that it takes Henry to make Lucy fall in love with him every day. Like he has a full-time job. Oh yeah, that's he's, right. He's a I marine biologist. <laughs> And those animals are really cute, like the elephant and the uh, yeah. the wal. I'm not the elephant. The uh, the penguin, the penguin and the walrus. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's got a full time job and he does this. Yeah. And, and then, meanwhile, like, brother Doug and dad also just seem to be at Lucy's beck and call. Obviously, because she, you know, they have to put up this facade. Yeah. What do What do they do for work and income? Right. <laughs> exactly. Is this really just their their livelihood? Is just quote-unquote tricking lucy every day yeah and it's just like uh i guess they don't actually tell you the time of day either like when she's at the cafe so Hmm. you don't know if it's breakfast or lunch or i'm assuming it's breakfast but you know they never explicitly say it so like if he goes there every single day what time does he get to work and then how long does he go to work for and is it okay for him to take penguins off (laughs) out of the park you know what i mean (laughs) right right he just randomly took the penguin out of the park Almost put that penguin to death. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that for me was just like, wait, but these are adults who I assume have full-time jobs. But again, we're here for the ride. So I wanted to Google Lucy's condition to yeah. see if it was real. In the movie, they call it Goldfield Syndrome, mm-hmm. which is not a real medical condition. But there is an actual real medical term for what Lucy has. And I hope I'm not saying it wrong. It's called anterograde amnesia okay and it's apparently real but i think that there's levels of it so my source is psychology today (laughs) and psychology today also claims that 10 second tom that character is apparently like a real real condition for a lot of people oh that's sad yeah it's incredibly sad uh yeah these are the people who have like really just severe brain damage yeah obviously this movie paints these people as you know obviously funny and lighthearted, but yeah this is like real life yeah yeah i just can't imagine i mean obviously i feel like life would be a lot more difficult if you actually had that in real life as opposed to a movie yeah i i was thinking though i think lucy moving into the institute at the end like that that seems very normal like that seems a natural step for families to put their loved ones with brain damage into an institute because dad and doug are not professionals like they're really just basically tricking lucy that it's a the same day over and over again and they ultimately like don't have a life of their own so yeah i like that lucy is able to be like no i want to not burden you guys anymore and i want to just go to the institute and like the institute has trained professionals who know how to deal with people with brain conditions 
is that a plot hole though? Like, how does she have the lucidity to make that decision? No, no. I think it just I'm just meaning like in general. Like I oh, like yeah, that yeah, her yeah, character no, yeah. does that at the end. Yeah, no, yeah, I fully get that. I'm just thinking if that's a plot hole, just because how would she be like? Oh yeah, put me in the institute, and then the next right. day she's gonna be like, "Where the fuck am I?" <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but yeah, generally this movie is a pretty big WTF, but yeah. I'm okay with it. I'm okay yeah. with it. It's not trying to be real. There are some movies no. where it's just like, I'm angry that you're trying so hard to be real, and then there's so many missteps, but I don't find that here. Yeah, I mean, it's an Adam Sandler movie. You kind of already have <laughs> expectations or, you know, whatever going in, as opposed to more, I don't know if I can think of any romantic comedies off the top of my head that aren't so outlandish. You mean with Adam Sandler? No, just in general. Like, mm. like if... Like, say if this is a romantic comedy with someone someone else, would it be as, you know, would you give more leeway? Oh, I see. Yeah, probably, probably not. Yeah, because I think of who other big romantic comedy actors and actresses are right now. And I know I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. What do you, what do you think of the ending of this movie? No, I, I liked it. I think it's a good resolution. It's pretty cute. Um whether or not it's realistic is another thing, but you know, like, they, yeah, we're not here for realism. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah. yeah, they have a daughter. Like, can you imagine waking up and <laughs> being pregnant and going, "Oh my god, what happened?" That's insane. I, I'm glad that they didn't show that. Like, they kind of yeah. just skipped over all the weird, uncomfortable moments. Yeah. And like, the child is, I don't know, four years old, three, four, yeah. five years old. Yeah. yeah. I, I can't imagine. So jarring to wake up to that. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, you just, every day you wake up and you, all of a sudden you, you, your belly's getting bigger or, you know, you have, you know, morning sickness or whatever else that comes along with. And you're just like, what happened to me? I know. It'd be like an out-of-body experience. I have to say, though, the whole video bit, I really appreciate that. I think that that's a great idea. Yeah, it's so cute. Yeah, it's very cute. I think in the movie, Henry says, like, Lucy's reaction when she finds out about things is not the accident, but it's mostly that people around her are tricking her or have to pretend like everything's normal. So I do like that the video, she watches it first thing as she wakes up. It's like it resets her expectations every morning and then she can, I guess, live her life. But I would still think that it takes some calibration or some time to get used to what's going on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the way she approaches it is definitely a good way to approach things. Um, versus, it just shows the kind of character she is. For sure, yeah. I thought the movie, or I thought the ending was really sweet. Also, they everybody gets their happy ending, like married, family, kids, and Henry gets to go to Alaska. So everybody wins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody does win. <laughs> I, I like the ending just because. Um, the song is really nice too. The Over the Rainbow. Yeah, that's it. Yes, the uh, Over the Rainbow, the like Hawaiian, the ukulele version. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good touch. That's pretty perfect. Uh, do you think any of these characters are, well, you mentioned relatable earlier, but do you have anything to add about relatability and likability? Uh, I mean, I guess it's just the plight of Henry. I mean, not not necessarily the womanizing part, but just, you know, if you love someone, you're going to keep trying. It's like persistence. And that, mm-hmm. I feel like that's something relatable and, you know, something people like to see. Because it's, it's not like he's 
trying to, you know, like in one of the scenes where they think he wants to be a sleazeball, I just, you know, hit it and quit it. Because <laughs> yeah. she's not, obviously they're not going to remember. That's just the way they approached it, yeah? Yeah, I, for me, I didn't really find anybody necessarily relatable. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can relate to Drew Barrymore. Because <laughs> who's the main lead? I mean, there's no other, right. <laughs> other you know, strong female characters in the movie. <laughs> Right. So I was just like, huh, relatability for me is not very high in this movie, yeah. and that's okay. But yeah, obviously, the likability factor is incredibly high for both of these people right. after a certain point for, for Henry. But yeah, Lucy's incredibly likable. I mean, I think maybe it's just Drew Barrymore. I don't know. She's kind of made yeah. this brand of being likable. Yeah, I think about her other movies, and she has more range, at least on average, than Anna Sandler. Yeah. <laughs> I think Anna Sandler has, you know, a higher peak, but also lower low. But true mm, favor. I know, hear you. She's very, very likable in our movies. What's the worst Adam Sandler movie in your opinion? Oh, I think it's probably Jack and Jill. Oh, I haven't seen that one, but I've heard that that was really, really bad. Yeah. Oh, well, it's actually it. It's either that one or one of his Netflix ones. The uh, <laughs> it's the cowboy one. I don't even remember that one. Uh, yeah, see, that's the thing. He's just really just pumping out a lot of stuff. But are people watching them? Probably. But are people liking them? Probably not. Yeah, The Ridiculous Six, that one. That one was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's definitely like nailing it in. Yeah. I wonder, like, that Uncut Gems thing is very much an outlier. I wonder what, what drew him to that kind of caliber of prestige film, but yet be able to pull off all these ridiculous other films. I feel like it's just probably he got bored got sick of people saying he can't do serious or something and then he's just like i'll just do this because i think it's also up his alley because he's really into sports like he plays basketball like a lot as personally yeah so i think the fact that his character is into gambling and basketball and he probably got to hang out with nba players and stuff he probably enjoyed that so he put more into it uh this is kind of a tangent a little bit but i wanted to check out adam sandler's instagram uh yeah it's basically sports a lot of golf i think mm -hmm. or it's just all over the place is it actually run by him i think so yeah he was like promoting kevin garnett's new book which i didn't realize he had a new book <laughs> yeah, yeah i didn't realize that either <laughs> so it's stuff like that yeah i'm trying to think about when I'm, my least favorite adam sandler film i mean grown-ups 2 was pretty bad <laughs> <laughs> did you know he made another movie with jennifer aniston i didn't even know yeah, Murder Mystery. It's on yeah, Netflix. I don't, think, I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, it's pretty silly. It, it's. I actually think that that movie was rated like the most watched Netflix film or like really? the biggest open. I don't remember. There was some statistic that that movie held or record that that movie held yeah. when, it, when it came out. And I thought that they were doing a sequel to that movie, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I guess he replaced the... Uh... Drew Barrymore with Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston, yeah. Uh-huh, exactly. Like, again, she's very likable, you know, yeah. and I, I'll watch anything that the either of them are in, but it's everything will be forgettable, though. Yeah. And that's okay. That's fine. I know what I'm getting myself into. Do you think I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry would fly today? Ooh. Um. So I haven't seen that movie recently. It's been a really, really long time. I'm going to say no off the cuff. Yeah. Because uh, they're two straight men 
pretending to be gay, correct, to yeah. get health insurance or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think that that would fly today. <laughs> oh, speaking of which, Kevin James, he's in this movie for like two seconds in the beginning of this movie. He's one of the people in the montage of women who are saying they hooked up with Henry. Oh Ross yeah, that's right. He is. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, just chuck another one, hang out with your friends, making movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he probably couldn't commit to filming time, but they, they still wanted to put him in this movie for a hot second. Or like, hey, you want to come to Hawaii for a weekend? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so funny. I guess that's the thing of Adam Sandler. He's just incredibly loyal, which yeah. is something that is important. Yeah, I mean, if you think about people nowadays, or at least film, it's, it's nice that you have uh, this guy that has a lot of clout in the industry that can just, you know, bring his friends along. Instead of leaving them in the dust. Yeah. If I were in that entourage, I'd want to definitely be, be part of it. Like, if I had the option to be in part of it, I would totally do it. Oh, yeah. Because you have, like, those two... I don't know if you... I don't even know their names, but there's, like, there's two guys that are in all his movies that mm-hmm. only have, like, bit lines. And they're not actors in general. Like, it's the um, the guy that was the transgendered in, in 51st yes. Dates. Yes. Like he's in all his movies. He always has like a really small part. And then the other guy that's like uh, at the Institute. Yes. So yeah. I wrote their names down because I see them all the time and I don't yeah. know their names at all. Yeah. So the transgender, the character this person played was Jennifer. The actor's yeah. name is Jonathan Lauren. Yeah. yeah. Jonathan Lauren. And then Peter Dante is the guy at the Institute who is like the front desk guy. Yeah. And then Alan Covert, who plays 10 Second Tom, uh, is in a lot of his movies as well. Okay, yeah. And I feel like they're just literally in Adam Sandler movies. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's all I know them from, too, for sure. They're just like his friends. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so I mentioned earlier that Doug is my favorite character, but yeah. who's your favorite character? My favorite character is probably Doug as well, just because... I don't know. It's just such a big contrast to Samwise Gamgee. It's so ridiculous that you can't help but think, oh, man, what a great character. I love that Sean Astin did this. Okay, yeah. I'm going to... So this movie came out in 04. Yeah, Return of the King came out in 03. Yeah, it's like his first movie right afterwards, I think. It really, really is. Okay, sorry. I'm scrolling through his IMDb right now. Wow, oh, he's done a lot of TV. Yeah, I think I remember him from before he was Samwise. He, I, for, I do remember him being on. I remember as Rudy. That's why I remember him as yeah. Rudy. That's why. And Encino Man. Oh, I've never seen Encino Man. Oh, that was but... a good, such a good movie. <laughs> but I, I don't know if it's it's aged well. I just remember, you know, like you ever watch movies that you liked as a kid back in the nineties, and then you rewatch them as an adult, and you're like, this movie is trash. Why did I like this movie? Yeah. A thousand percent. That That's what like revisiting a lot of these rom-coms has done for me is that I will have, you know, I'll revere a movie because I grew up watching it. But then when you watch it as a 30 something, you're like, oof, ouch, no, like this is a so unrealistic and B just does not age well at all. And it's hard sometimes to kind of admit that and confront that. You're like, wow, this really shaped who I was as a young person. Yeah. How has this affected my outlook on life? Uh, this is a really bad movie, but it means a lot to me. So then you're kind of torn between do I cancel this movie or do I just, (laughs) it is what it is again. Yeah. It's like uh, when you're younger and you watch a movie and you thought it was the best movie ever. And then for whatever reason you look at the reviews, it has like one or two stars. Like 
how could this happen and as a kid and yeah. then we watch it and you're like oh i totally get why it's one or two stars now yeah <laughs> <laughs> but i think that's just normal i i don't know you know and also like when you get older your, your tastes change and you start to develop more complexities and your understanding of life and love and all that stuff but you know it's fun to kind of revert to these dumb comedies that we grew up watching that make zero sense now and just have not aged well at all either yeah i think in general though adam sandler movies have aged pretty well some topics he obviously are very complicated or probably mm-hmm. wouldn't fly today but they're not that bad in terms of i guess technicality i don't know how to describe mm. it i feel they're they're still watchable mm, yeah uh but you're right i think chuck and larry i don't know if i need to watch that movie again though yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i'm trying to think yeah i don't think that he's done anything so derogatory or incredibly terrible that would make him canceled i think it's just all silly and ridiculous humor for sure yeah yeah like uh return of zohan Oh my gosh. Is that the one where he's a hairdresser? Wait. Yeah, he's a hairdresser. A hairdresser. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. It's amazing his career that he's gotten, to, that he's made for himself. Yeah. Like, I feel like a lot of these movies, if there's anyone else that pitched these movies, they'd be like, absolutely not. <laughs> they'd mm-hmm. be like, we're not going to make this movie. We're not going to give you 50 to $100 million to make this movie. Yeah. And I think he actually has a Netflix deal right now, which is why he keeps on pumping out content for them. Yeah. Again, if I were an actor, I'd want Adam Sandler's career. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we see Lucy and Henry get married and have a child, but do you think that they stay together? Uh, I don't see why not. <laughs> sure. Just, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like in real world, uh, in the real world, I'd say it's very, very hard. Um, mm-hmm. But in the movie world, I think so, just because they've already gone this, come this far. Yeah. It seems like they've been able to find some kind of rhythm to make this work. And again, real world scenario, it's just, it's a lot of work if this is really what Henry wanted to do, but eh, I'll, I'll take it. Sure. I don't see why not. As you say, he, they're wealthy enough to have a boat and sail across the world. So it's like, that's, that's probably another benefit. Oh yeah. That was one other thing is that I read um, some kind of critique that Lucy's dad and brother, they're, they're quite privileged. Like Lucy's in this, she has opportunity where she has family to have the time and resources to take care of her. Yeah. Meanwhile, there are a lot of people who obviously wouldn't be able to to do that for a family member who had brain damage. So there's something to be said about that. Yeah, for sure. What are your thoughts on the music of this movie? There wasn't that much movie, but music besides the um, the songs he sang and then the Over the Rainbow, but I enjoyed it. I mean, I think they did a real Hawaiian take on everything, so it was nice. Yeah, yeah. I really appreciated the Hawaiian take. So... I actually got a ukulele for my birthday last year. Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> and I'm trying to teach myself some some songs. But yeah, I think it was just inspired by my I went to Hawaii last year before the world shut down and I was missing it. And I was like, Frank, I want a ukulele. And so he bought me one for my birthday. And it's just a reminder of Hawaii and how much I love it and miss it. It's such a nice place. Yeah, I think the music was I've noticed a lot of reggae, like a yeah. lot of Bob Marley in it. Uh, there was 311, I thought was pretty heavy in this movie, which I, yeah, I used to listen to 311 in the 90s. <laughs> that was a throwback for me. Yeah, I think Adam Sandler is into reggae too, because his albums have reggae, his older albums. Got it. I, I, you know, I didn't hear, I didn't listen to his albums, but I'm going to check them out. I don't know if you want to. <laughs> his, uh, his skits are pretty crude. <laughs> really? That bad? <laughs> yeah. You Would you say like worse than Chappelle? 
it's different. It's um, a lot of very teenage humor, I guess, from the 90s. Got it. Yeah, you know, the, the 90s stuff, I didn't really watch those until a little bit later. Were you familiar with Jerky Boys? It's that kind of stuff. No, I don't know what that is. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah, I think 90s boy humor was very different from what I yeah. was into yeah. in the 90s. Yeah. I think a lot of boys our generation um, were very heavily influenced by Adam Sandler, for sure. Yeah. No, I think if you do match this album, you'll see what I mean. Because it's a lot of skits. It's like mostly skits and then music in between. Okay. I, I'm curious now. I, I do have a very specific memory of when I was like in orchestra practice or band practice. And I had this one friend who would just randomly say in the middle of practice, like, no, Michelle, I will not make out with you. And I was like, <laughs> what? I, it, I was very clearly like inspired by Adam Sandler yeah. um, and his movies. <laughs> I didn't get it back then. I was like, why are you being such a dick? Yeah. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Yeah. But yeah. Very, very much so, Adam Sandler. So out of the three movies that Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore have done together, you said that this is your favorite one, but do you think that this is a generally beloved film? I would say it's, I think most people would know about it, at least from our age. I don't want to say if it's beloved in the sense that, you know, people are, it's a must watch, you know? Right. Like if someone was like, you have, there are some rom-coms you need to watch, you know, you'd be like, When Harry Met Sally, Sleep in Seattle. And, you know, mm -hmm. name off some other ones, but I don't think necessarily say this would be up there. Right, right. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's in in the genre of rom-coms. I think people have definitely seen this one, but I don't think it's one that is saying anything particularly original. Mm -hmm. But I think it's an easy watch because it's these two leads that are just so likable and really clearly have chemistry. Yep. Do you think this movie's aged well? I, I mentioned earlier my problems with Rob Schneider's character. Yeah. Anything else for you here? Besides that, I think for the most part it has. I mean, obviously nowadays people are definitely more sensitive to portrayals of different groups but and inclusivity. But yeah, other than that, I think it, it's aged well in that sense, in a different sense. Yeah. I, I do want to shout out Alexa's character, though. Like, yes, she she was incredibly funny. But I I did feel kind of bad laughing a lot, actually, because Henry kind of is unsure of what the gender is of Alexa. Yeah. And Alexa is like this very heavily accented Russian. And I looked up this actress who I had never seen before. Her name is Louisa Struss. Mm -hmm. And she looks incredibly different, which might not be surprising to you yeah. in, in real life. Yeah, she's extremely, like, feminine-looking, obviously, yeah. in, like, these headshots that she's done on IMDb. Yeah, I, I'm fine with it, but I would say that if we were really looking at this movie with a critical eye, I think Alexa would be a little bit more of a problematic character as well. But it's not a... I'm gonna say, I don't think it's a terrible depiction, but it's not a great depiction of... I don't no. know. There's just a lot of... this. This one character is just the embodiment of a lot of jokes and... I, I don't know. I'm having trouble right now. Articulating I think it's I just a sign of the times. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. you do have Jennifer there. So I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but I, no, but I mean, that's a joke. But in general, I think it's just a sign of the times. I mean, yeah, uh, like, you know, androgyny and trans uh, rights mm -hmm. have definitely changed throughout throughout the times since early 2000s. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking at her headshots now. Yeah. She's actually pretty attractive. <laughs> Right. 
uh, I'd never seen her before in anything yeah. else, but I was like, oh, this is a pretty funny role in a very, you know, a lot of people are probably seeing this because it's Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, but yeah, very random, but uh, I appreciated the humor of it. Okay, so I have some trivia for you here. Of the three movies that Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore have made together, this is the only one that was number one at the box office and made over $100 million. This film was originally titled 50 First Kisses, but was changed to avoid confusion with Drew Barrymore's movie Never Been Kissed that came out in the late 90s. Oh, yeah. In an early scene, the dentist and the woman in the dentist chair that are seen talking with each other, talking about Henry. The woman playing the dentist is actually Adam Sandler's wife in real life. Uh, yeah, I think she's in a lot of his movies, too. Yeah, I think she plays, like, really, really small bits. Yeah. Isn't that kind of weird, though? <laughs> Can you imagine, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, well, imagine working with your husband or your wife, and then on every movie, and then they're kissing somebody else. Yeah, for sure. I think that'd be really weird. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be able to be that that strong of a person, but <laughs> I think it takes a special, unique woman to be in that role. But, I mean, you have it's part of the job, so I guess you'd have to understand that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I guess if he's making that much money, I guess I could be okay with it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's actually all the only interesting to me trivia that I was able to find. But yeah, I think we can wrap it up. Do you have any last takes or last thoughts? I just think about if this movie was made today, how different it would be just because with the smartphones and everything. Like the, you know how it's like VHS tape. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so like how would it be different now? Like the media and editing would be so much different. That's such a good point. Yeah, absolutely. You think that he would just, I don't know, put it on the phone and like just edit something really quickly the night before? Yeah, yeah. Like it'd be a lot easier, right? So instead of having to do the tape, he'd just give her a phone in the morning or something. Yeah. Hmm. The video thing is interesting to me because I wonder like how often he updates that thing. Yeah. Obviously, if she were pregnant, he would probably update it a little bit more regularly. But like day to day, if they're, you know... She doesn't have any physical changes going on. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine maybe, what, like, monthly? Yeah, because how, how much actual change actually changes, you know, in your life usually? <laughs> right, have, like, exactly. These major, major plot points. Right, yeah. I don't know. That's that's a lot, but uh, good, for, good for Henry. Um, yeah, I don't really have anything super intelligent to say to sign off on this. Um, I hope that Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler do another rom-com, because I'd be here for it. Yeah. I mean, they're getting, they're getting up there, but they could do something, you know, that like, you know, Jack Nicholson we could do <laughs> back like 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I do think like, I don't know, you and I were getting a little bit older and like, I would, I personally would appreciate more rom-coms about older people. Yeah. Yeah. Life doesn't end when you're 40, you no, know, it doesn't. like people still fall in love and go through heartbreak and all these things. So yeah, I, I'm all for rom-coms at every age in, in life. It just... I don't know. Time has flown. I didn't know Blended was 2014. That's what, that's what bugged me the most. <laughs> seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. That movie, it, it doesn't seem like that long ago. No. That movie's on TV a lot. Is I it? I feel. <laughs> I don't know. I, I always flip through and I feel like Blended, there are moments, like months, where I'm like, Blended again? Okay, <laughs> I guess I'll just have it on in the background. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for doing this with me, Howard. I really appreciate it. Oh, I had a good time. Hopefully we can find another movie to talk about in the near future. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, thank you. Again, all the way from Australia. I know the time difference is kind of wacky. Yep. Thank you to all tuning in to another episode of Romcom Weekly. 
Please follow us on Instagram at Romcom Weekly and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please let us know what you think of this movie. We would love to hear what would you rate this movie on a scale from one to 10. And we'll chat with you again next week. Bye.